Welcome to episode 24 of Something Inventive. I've just bought a wheelbarrow! Al and I discuss the scandalous Facebook, GDPR begging emails, the importance of review sites, email response times, and who we're looking forward to see at WXG 2018. The sponsor for this episode is our newsletter. Go and sign up at ratherinventive.com. You ready? I think so. Let's do this. <laughs> that, that was a phrase. Um, you, you remember when I was, I was listening to or watching a gaming video? Um, I think it was Horizon Zero Dawn. Did I tell you about okay. that? Um, possibly. I, I didn't have no, time. I didn't have time to play the game. I didn't have um, the latest console. And um, so I thought, well, uh, this game looks quite interesting. I might, I might watch it instead, instead on YouTube, watch a, a stream that someone had recorded. And it was about 14 episodes of Horizon Zero Dawn from a guy called Rad Brad. <laughs> this is like a whole TV series. That's uh, so weird. Yeah, so weird. It's, it, I know it sounds a bit weird, but seriously, it's like watching a TV series with a narrator. Very, very bizarre, but actually quite cool. Um, if anyone wants to know, it's called a Brad, the Rad Brad on, on YouTube. Anyway, enough about YouTube videos and gaming. How are you, Al? I'm okay, thanks. Very, very relaxed in this nice sunny weather we've suddenly got. It is very nice. Although I'm, mm. I'm far too hot and far too tired, so I'm a bit grumpy today. Let's be nice to each other then. <laughs> we're always nice to each other. Um, so we're not going to make, we're going to have a short show today, aren't we, Al? I'm going to keep it nice and tight. So we're going we're to yes. whip through. <laughs> That's right. See you next week. Okay, bye. <laughs> Cue music. Um, so just a bit of follow-up from before. Um, so last time we were talking about Facebook, and I know Al and I have mentioned uh, our hatred for those remarketing adverts that pop up and um, try and advertise you some goods that you've already bought. Well, I heard on the Now Show, um, a, a brilliant comedy show on Radio um, 4, um, they, they did a little comedy clip of that where they're mocking Facebook and remarketing adverts. So speaking of Facebook, they were in the news again recently um, over this Cambridge Analytica um, issue. Won't go into it, but basically Facebook have found out that Cambridge Analytica haven't deleted information they said they had deleted um and this information is starting to come out now although i think facebook did know about this information but didn't really do much about it mm. i think and you called media. it facebook which i quite liked <laughs> facebook <laughs> i think that's the whole new thing uh, it sounds yeah. like a nice little gentle stream <laughs> you look you you you're so calm that when you look down you can see your own face in it <laughs> i told you look, I, I told you i was tired i'm having a hard day of it i've been driving i'm hot i'm bothered i can't speak properly <laughs> That's that's okay. It's okay. Um, um, yeah, it's it's um, well, we were just talking earlier before we started re- recording. It's is it a surprise really that this um, data was breached or not necessarily breached, used in a way that um, people didn't expect? Probably, I think so. Uh, there was, although it's, I think if you sort of uh, agree to kind of use like little apps and games and things within Facebook, and it kind of says. Uh, can, can I have access to your medical records and, uh, uh, you know, your children's birthdays and all this sort of mm. thing? Um, and people go, yeah, 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 because I want to know what my most used word was on Facebook. Yeah, let's do it. People seem very quick to sort of agree to things. 
don't read terms and conditions. Um, but who does? I mean, but, I don't know exactly. if that's the fault of the user. No, um, in this case, though, it's even if one of your friends had kind of used this thing, I know, yeah. uh, then you're sort of like in the in the firing line, so to speak. You're kind of going to have your data harvested as well. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's kind of like if you if you imagine your friends as a kind of a camp of people, one of them's kind of got a really bad virus, but it doesn't tell you. <laughs> doesn't know that they've got it and it just spreads <laughs> and that's kind of what the data thing is like isn't it it's it's uh if one person um one of your friends isn't using it your data is also kind of being accessed mm -hmm. uh, and then it just goes on from there and then also then they share the, the thing that they've done and you might think oh that's quite cool and then you sign up for the game and then all of your friends are then affected and it just goes on like that like yeah. a virus <laughs> and, and it's not even necessarily about the information they obtain through that period of facebook's data usage where they these apps could take more data than maybe they should have taken but they were allowed to um it was that that was me meant to have been deleted i can't remember what the app was now um i'll see if i can find an article and put it in the show notes but um yeah the app was allowed the data it was meant to have deleted it removed it apparently didn't has been sharing or selling that to cambridge Analytica or working with them or part of them and they've been using that along with other information they have to build profiles on people. Now, whether mm. they've been using that to influence campaigns or not, we're not, we don't know yet. Um, it's the fact that they've had this data and they haven't deleted it as they said they had. Yeah, I mean that's easy to do, isn't it? Yeah, and not delete something. I'm terrible at not deleting things. <laughs> Digital you know. holder. Well, yeah, if you spent a lot of time on something, you think, well, yeah, I deleted it. I haven't really. <laughs> I've got a copy of it somewhere. I can always get it if I need it. So I suppose it's it's that, isn't it? Um, but yeah, you know, the, the the using social media for political uh, influencing is massive business, isn't it? Mm. Big, it's a big thing. Uh, and I think, as we've said before, you know, elections will be won or lost on how good they are at harvesting social media. Uh, well, I mean, and, and to be honest, they always have been won or lost on how well the people running the elections can garner um, support for their side. And they've always been about that. Um, so this is just another way of doing it. But I don't, I just don't think people realized it was possible or um, that it, it may, may have some effect on it. Mm. Um, I think profiling has always been the case, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. With, with, you know, anything trying to sell you or to convince you of something. But I think it's just that it's just much more powerful, the data that's held about you, which, Boy said, you know, you give freely to Facebook uh, um, what you like, what you don't like, what your friends like and don't like, this kind of mm. thing, who your friends are, um, what you look like and what you do the weekends kind of thing. Um, extremely useful. You know, why wouldn't you, if you were trying to influence people, you know, uh, be able to select people based on all of this this information? Yeah, it, it, it's I, I find it um, academically interesting what they what they're doing. Um, but but wrong because the, it's not that they're doing it; it's that they're doing it without people's knowledge that they're doing it. Um, mm. That's wrong here. Anyway, I, d I don't want to dive into it right now. I don't want to dive into it. Um, but if people um, are interested in checking their privacy settings, I think you should. I mean, obviously, it's it's everything we're talking about in terms of the data that has been um, used that's gone and passed. So you're not necessarily preventing that, but what you are preventing, especially in light of the new GDPR regulations is you are starting to protect yourself from now onwards and starting to just become a bit more um, knowledgeable about what information you're putting out there and who's seeing it. 
Um, so Jonathan Pollinger, who stepped into your place the uh, one episode, uh, the other episode back, I can't remember which one it was, um, he has created a nice little article called Keep Yourself and Your Data Safe on Facebook, and you can read that on his website, intranetfuture.com. So I recommend you go over there. Um, just quickly talking of GDPR, before we go on to a few topics I know that you've brought up, Al, um, my brother, Seb, um, has passed on a, a few interesting uh, emails that he's received over uh, GDPR and data and getting people to sign up to their newsletters. Um, and it's really interesting to see the different ways people approach it. Uh, there's one which is called the Royal Oak, a pub in Buckinghamshire, and they're taking it in a very um, jovial way. Um, uh, for instance, the, the, the first part of the email says, uh, did I hear you say GDPR? I think they misspelled it, actually. It says GDPR. They did. They misspelled GDPR, which is <laughs> something, isn't it? But I've corrected that for them. Um, well, sadly, it doesn't stand for Gorgeous Divine Provenance and Rosé, um, which was my original understanding of the subject. Anyway, they're, they're basically trying to do it in a jokey way to get your interest so that you'll read it and you will then double opt into their emails going forward. Um, I'm not going to read them all out now, but what I will do is post them in the show notes worth having a look at. And any emails that are coming through from um, that you've probably been receiving already and you will continue to receive until May the 25th, including our one, hopefully, um, do have a read. It's, I think it's interesting to see how people approach it, whether they're approaching it in a sort of honest way and trying to be open about how they're using the data or where it's just a, this is something we need to go through. Here's a question. Um, you know, double opt-in isn't a new, th- a new concept, is it? No. You know, double opt-in has been around for a long time and a lot of uh, companies you know, have used that. So does that mean they have to shelve their email list? No, not at all. If no. um, if you've had permission from people in the past and you can prove that, then you don't need to seek permission again. Mm. I think the problem comes when you've got mixed data from different sources, going back to the Cambridge Analytica problem again, where you may have had, for example, in our case, as a good case study, we've had customers who, um, so these are genuine custom customers and we've put them onto the mailing list. Um, which they've known about, but haven't explicitly ticked a box. So they've known that they'd be going on the mailing list as part of being a customer, but haven't, haven't um, explicitly opted in. So they've gone into a list, as well as people who've gone on our events. So they've signed up to an events list, um, or they've been part of an event, events list, but signed up in a way that I cannot prove now that when they signed up, and so on. So you've got lots of different data coming from different sources, all mixed into one, perhaps. Um Plus, we do have a double opt-in list, which we've been running for um, uh, since we've been running the newsletter, I think. So maybe a year or two. Um, And so you've got lots of different data. And I think just to be sure, it's easier to use this as an excuse or um, as a reason to make sure that everyone on the list wants to be on that list, just to be doubly sure. That's all. But you're right. If people have, if you've been operating double opt-in ever since you've been collecting data, then you won't need to... Um, recollect that data or get reconfirmation because that was the best sort of you know way of doing it like the the course of uh, signing up was to sort of fire back an email and say are you sure is this definitely you and also a way to check their emails yes right email um so um yeah i suppose that as time's gone on that's gone by the wayside a little bit hasn't it Mm. people doing that as standard well, I think it's just a problem when people have just been imported in and their emails harvested mm. from various other places like directories, email lists, bought, um, where technically people may have given their permission, but they didn't know, even though they might have ticked a box to say it goes to third parties, they didn't know it go to a, 
um, the company who's bought the list. So while it's not illegal in that sense, it wasn't um, something that they that would be ideal. So it's better to get double confirmation again. Um, I think now when you're getting confirmation from people, you can't just get people to tick a box and sell that list onto others. You need to tell them when they're signing up, who will be having access to that data? What other companies will be having access to it? Mm. Uh, fascinating stuff if you've got the time to dip into it. <laughs> um, but we should move on. I'm going to quickly dip into the sponsor. It's going to be a very short one this time. I would just like everyone who's listening to this um, podcast to subscribe to our newsletter. One of the benefits is not only do you get links to all the articles that go out on our blog, but any of the links we come across um, that I share on Twitter, that we find on this podcast, or that we uh, maybe share in our um, Basecamp chat room, um, we pick the best ones from there and we put them into the, the newsletter. So there's lots of useful links that you may not find on our site or that might not be mentioned in this podcast. So it's definitely worth subscribing. And, and I find a good newsletter is a way of having a regular pulse, of a uh, regular dose of information sent to you. So if you're interested in marketing, uh, business creativity or anything like that, and just want to keep up to date on, on uh, what we're finding out and what we're doing, do sign up to that. You will also get a copy of our uh, book, Be Sociable. It's the PDF version, not the not the flashy iBooks version, but it is free. If you just go to our website, scroll down the bottom and um, fill out your email there, then you will get a copy of the book by uh, an email back as well as the double opt-in email that comes through. So that's go to ratherinventive.com, scroll down to the bottom and fill out your email address. You'll also see we've added some bump down the bottom as well to do with GDPR, and hopefully that makes sense. If it doesn't, uh, do let us know. Right, sponsor over. So, um, Al, you've put a couple of topics in here because I was quite busy um, this week and getting back from meetings today. So um, do you want to start us off? Online reviews. Yeah, it's just a couple of things that happened this month, really, uh, to do with um, online reviews, funnily enough. <laughs> I uh, got an email from Google saying that my... Um, I left a Google review for a, a local timber merchant <laughs> because they, I don't normally leave reviews for things, but I, they did quite, quite good. And, um, I felt sorry for them because someone had slated them on Google oh, review, but they'd, oh, no, but they'd obviously slated the wrong company, uh, because they were talking about things that this, this company doesn't sell. So it was a bit off. So anyway, I, I thought, well, they'd done a really good job. So, I. You know, I just added a thing on. And I got an email from Google saying that my uh, review had been read 5,000 times. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was quite good. That's quite nice. Um, did, yeah. Did you know if you see reviews like that that you know aren't true, you can flag them as um, uh, inappropriate is not the right word, but you can flag them and say this isn't correct. And they, they will mm. investigate. But they should do it, shouldn't they? The company, the, the company owners. Yeah, the company owners can contact the person who reviewed and they can't flag it. It's re really, they would need to get someone third party to flag it. But they could. They could sign in at home or have someone else. Yeah, sign yeah, sure. In, I mean, it's something we've done before when I'm when I'm working with people. I'll just go in and flag things. And certainly on Google My Business, yeah. uh, you know, if, if they've got a place that doesn't exist anymore, um, like they've maybe generated a few different places and different um, SEO people or marketing people have worked with them, and they might have some uh, zombie my places around. So that's a good way of getting rid of them. Um, mm using that technique well that's really nice yeah. quite uh, do, do you think that email from google encouraged you to review more people or come mm, i think so yeah again it's very basic sort of human need isn't it to be liked and accepted <laughs> and useful <laughs> so uh yeah probably would it probably does yeah because I, I do read reviews a lot and i rely on other people 
people's opinion on things or at least I take it I put it into the mix I don't necessarily rely on it but it's part of the overall mm. mix when I'm doing something with a new company or something like that um and you know some people do some the thing with and this is kind of why I put it in here um online reviews are often a place where people will just rant about how bad something was because they've had a bad experience because mm. no one else will listen to them yeah. there's no there's no other forum for them to rant or, or to complain or to get their questions answered so they kind of do it publicly as if kind of standing in the street going this company overcharged me by 30p uh, they don't care it's almost like standing outside their shops shouting in the street to everyone else isn't it doing that because it's a very permanent message going out to anyone mm. who reads it that this company has somehow wronged you and you can't and they haven't helped <laughs> they haven't helped you you know get over the problem so um I think reviews can be used as a weapon, really, mm. just for angry people. And, you know, a lot of TripAdvisor things are like that, aren't they? Yeah, I've, I've heard of people using the threat of leaving a bad review to get something. Mm, well, that's terrible. Which is terrible behaviour. Mm. And there should be a guest. I've always said there should be a guest advisor as well. It's very one I did. <laughs> so, yeah, yes. that, that owl. Phone up. That or, owl, he's awful. <laughs> I mean, you know, why not? Yeah, I think that basically what that boils down to is like people, people advisor, isn't it? So you just you just have a website that just everyone advises on everyone else how bad or good they are as people. That's what it, I think. That's where it would eventually end up. Yeah, if they give this mobile, this email, get rid of them. Yeah, there was a website like that where you could rate people. Um, I think it was it was more on looks. There was one called hotornot.com, which was at years yes, and years and years ago. Maybe that was it. Yeah. Um, which is, is uh, I mean, I can see the, where the idea comes from, but terrible in practice. Um, uh, maybe that's this. This is a uh, the, the initial idea to to yours there. I think they could work, <laughs> but it's not about whether they're attractive or not, no. or whether they find them attractive, whether they're a nice person. I'm not sure. Nice. Or- I'm not sure that's a very good idea. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just online reviews, and um, another thing that's happened in that sort of arena was I'm, I'm just i'm trying to buy a printer for my um in-laws and um they just need some help choosing a printer just a regular sort of computer printer and um a computer printer yes it can yes to print real things in real life ben like pa- on paper wow i know um and uh, it's really hard to choose a printer because it is no yeah. matter what you read uh uh there's always someone saying I've read a couple saying, I would not wish this printer on my worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> think, blimey, you know, that, that must be pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> Just so even my worst enemy, don't use this printer. It will use, it will take all your money and ink. It will eat the paper and it will never work. <laughs> even though you're my worst enemy, really don't use this one. <laughs> so, um, Yeah. Uh, it's it's just really hard to choose a product sometimes because you kind of get swayed and moved by some things you read and you think yeah that's that looks really good and the price is fine and then you think that's okay and then you just well I do I just kind of maybe go on Amazon or or or, or Trustpilot or something I don't know or um, some other reviewing system and just read what people have to say about it even sometimes on their own manufacturer websites they let people do it <laughs> oh so 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 not only would you check on the the site where you're going to buy it mm. maybe like amazon but you yeah. can also check on other sites as well to see what other people thought I'm very thorough ben yeah oh, wow um, now interestingly yeah. I, I we 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 um 
we were looking at lawnmower. Our lawn's getting quite long at the moment. Lawn, lawnmower broke last year. Um, and I, I did that, did the research, looking on lots of different sites, comparing, trying to find um, the, the right lawnmower um, with mulching. I wanted all these little bits to it, but, but not too expensive. So finding within the right price range, but also that people seem to like. Went ahead and got it. Um, and it came actually just before we went away. And it, I it put it together correctly did all the instructions and it didn't work. And I felt this is such a simple, simple thing and I can't get it to work. Um, I've had no problem with mowers before. Um, and, but the, the problem is I've, I've, I've rung them, um, couldn't get through, couldn't get through to anyone. And in fact, I had to ring on the Monday, couldn't get through to anyone there. No one's rung me back. Um, and they, I tried their online chat, which normally is quite helpful. Um, but the, the um, person on the end of the chat sent me just this long message. It's like a sort of bit of a pro forma back about things I should check um, that won't damage the warranty, like taking bits off it. I'm like, I, I, it's not like I've, I've bought it, it's been working and it's stopped and, you know, there's something I need to fix. This just doesn't work out of the box. Very frustrating. So, so now, now I'm in the dilemma, dilemma. It's quite a big unit, a mower, quite heavy. So I've got to work out whether, whether I think it's fair enough to, to send back or um, are they going to contact me and we'll try and get it working. Or we leave a ranty review on their website. Or no, uh, I'm not quite that stage yet. Mm. They haven't been unhelpful yet. Mm. Um, just um, a good website I've been following recently is called Whitespark. Um, what's their actual domain? It's called. It's called. It will come up in a minute. Um, I can't remember. It's got a buffer link. <laughs> it's called White Spark. No, that's the overcast one. No, I can't find it now. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. So you have to sign up to our newsletter to find them. So this is White. So White Spark. What they are are a company who um, help with local reviews. Um, they're mainly focused in the, in the states. So I don't know how much. If people are interested in using them as a service, I don't know how useful they'll be here, but they do have good blog articles, so it's definitely worth reading them. And one is about um, which review sites to focus on and um, which are worthwhile. I can give you the TLDR, it's Google My Business, but uh, others are still worth focusing on too. Um, well, that's good. Yeah, I think reviews are very, very can be very powerful. And it's something we're looking into developing some, uh, getting more reviews and developing a system, a, a process really for, for getting those in a, in a convenient way. So that's something we're looking at. Um, right, moving on. Next yes, topic. Uh, yes, sorry. Uh, something you said in your, uh, just about the mower, <laughs> it actually leads me on to the, the, well, just basic kind of customer service. Um, and you've obviously found that to be lacking with your mower purchase. We won't mention any brand names. Um, I'm not even going to guess. I can't even um, remember what they're called. Well, that's that's terrible brand <laughs> recognition, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so you can't remember what they're called. Their mower doesn't work, and they haven't got back to you. So this isn't isn't it's not forming a great sort of image here for <laughs> for the future. Um, I've just had a few things recently where you know I've maybe gone online and I've seen an ad for something, or uh, I'm just looking for something. Kind of, I'm just looking at a few events to go to, and uh, so I look through their site. You know, it's it's, it's informative and I'm, you know, I'm sold on it. I'm thinking, yeah, this is fine. But I have a few questions, which I always do because, again, very thorough. So I ask via email because there isn't any other way. Well, I could call them up, I suppose. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I email them uh, just some basic questions and I just don't hear back. Mm -hmm. So what is the point of it all? What is the point? And that's a bit ranty now of putting your email address on a website saying yeah. if you've got any other questions, email us. 
and you don't email me back. It's like, uh, I'm sitting here, I'm potentially going to buy something from you, and I may continue to buy something from you forever, and I've just asked you a really simple question, mm. and you, no one's got back to me. And I, I, I asked a local uh, museum about this question, and um, it took a week for them to get back to me, and they said, um, I've, had to, I've passed it on to such and such, because it's their department. That was basically the email. And then they didn't get back to me. So then I emailed them again saying, really? It's taken you like two weeks. I, it was quite a similar question. And they went, oh, and they emailed back uh, days later saying, sorry, been away. Well, okay, but surely someone else is picking up your email in the meantime. You know, sort of the person at the beginning could have said, oh, they're away, so I'll try and answer it for you, but no. Um, and they didn't know the answers to all the questions. So they've said, I forwarded the email to this other person to answer the, your other question. And you're like, well, you know, I don't need to know the inner workings of who answers the questions. I just need the answers, really. And I still haven't had that answer back. Yeah, I don't need to know how your company operates. And don't waste no. time now with all this communication to and from. I'm glad you've had time to go on holiday, but that's not relevant for what I need to know, is it? Really? It's not, I'm not asking, it's not rocket science what I'm asking. Um, so, yeah, that's quite frustrating. And I sent another email to another place. Haven't heard back at all in three weeks. Three weeks, wow. Yeah, just a really simple what, question. What's your chase-up policy? How long do you leave before you chase um, up? Well, I don't it's a good question. I've abandoned that idea now anyway, because clearly it's not, well, I've just abandoned it out of... Um, They're not even worth chasing stubborn. up. Just that's <laughs> being annoying. I'm going to email them back saying, well, do you know what? I'm not going to pay. You've lost a customer. Yeah, because it's it's a really simple question and you haven't answered it. So what's how what? Because it is difficult if you're a small company. So there's not many in our company. It's a small company, and if I'm dealing with a project and I'm away, yeah, sure, you might be able to see on some of the the base camp communication that we use. But if it's my private email, private company email, you're not going to be able to see that. Um, And if I'm on holiday, is it something I should leave? Is an auto respondent going to be enough for people to know that? Um, my, my usual thoughts are on it, that if it seems like it's an urgent query, so something is wrong or they actually see, need to know this information so they can continue, then I will try, I'll, I'll make it, it's important for me to respond quickly. And I think I try and do it within, um, within 24 hours, ideally, but usually by the next day, I'll try and respond to it because it's important. If it's urgent, then we'll get onto it straight away. But generally, most things aren't urgent. So they'll get an email from WordPress, from their WordPress website, um, giving them some information, like they've got a comment or something on, on their um, awaiting or pending review, and they'll forward it to us. Well, that's not crucial to be answered straight away. Now, there's two ways you can handle that. You can either just wait until you've got time to answer it, or you can respond back and saying, thanks very much. Um, we'll, we'll answer that when we can. You can give them a timeline. Um, it's... It's difficult because if you spend time answering it, you may actually be able, you may as well maybe spend the next 30 seconds going into it a bit more in depth. Uh, you could put an autoresponder on there just to say thanks very much, but actually no one's no one's looked at this email yet. Um, what do you think the best way of managing that is? Um, it's difficult. I think if it's a client you've got already got like a relationship with and they kind of know that you maybe get back to them in a day or two anyway mm-hmm. when it's not urgent, Um I think it's fine just to leave it. Otherwise, yeah, you do get into this position where you think, well, I better reply back to them. And then you kind of need to put something else in there about it to say, don't worry about it. And you think, well, actually, do they need to worry about it? Mm-hmm. So you end up actually looking into it there and then. And it's that's quite frustrating. So um, I think if it uh, if, a, if you work with a customer a long time and, and they know that if they send you something 
which is really urgent that you will get back to them as soon as you can. There's that trust there. And if it's not urgent, it can sit for a few days, I think. Um, that's my opinion. An autoresponder just kind of says, I've got an autoresponding system yeah, set up. Yeah, that's, that's what I feel. That's really, isn't it? That's what I feel. Um, yeah, unless it's... Um, unless there are, and I suggested this for where my partner works, is that they get constant emails and they ask the same question in the email. Mm-hmm. And they... And they, and they they employ someone to kind of answer these questions, and it's 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 nonsensical. You just think, well, clearly somewhere along the line, we could answer this question online. Apparently, that information is there, but people just don't read it because it's just so much of it. People are lazy. Um, it's just to have an autoresponder that just says, "You're probably asking this question, aren't you?" <laughs> is the answer, and if you're not, we'll get back to you with with the the answer to your actual question. I've I've seen <laughs> I mean, different manifestations of that, and I think the best one is where it allows you to sub- to submit your question as um into the into the sort of website and then it will email you back with a thanks very much by the way if it's one of these will that answer the question it's still mm. gone into their queue but it's using some in a uh, little bit of filtering and database search to bring out some related queries the worst yeah. one i've seen um and i won't name or shame a lot of companies do this is uh, especially with support tickets, you're filling out a support ticket. I've got a problem with the domain or this won't work, blah, 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 whatever it might be. And then as you submit it, it goes, before you submit, is it one of these particular problems? And I guess maybe with the systems we're using it, we're using it in a professional way. So I'd like to think that if we knew it was one of those other things, we would already looked online first to find out before we asked them because we'll get a quicker response that way. But we have to go through this process of every time going, no, I need to still need to submit this question. <laughs> I think you know who I'm talking about who does that. It never is, is it? When they say, is it one of these things? It never is. That question, it's, it's never been asked before in the history of the world. You, it's, you're the first person to have thought of this question. And it says, is it this? Are you sure about this? <laughs> no, but the, no, this is, a, this is an original question. But using that process, but using that process, it's interrupting me. I think they should let me submit it. And then, then on the next screen, come up with, um, while you're waiting for feedback, um, here are some um, typical answers to, to similar questions. I think people are more likely to read it and they, they, they might go um, into one of those subjects and say, oh, this has answered my question now. And then they can cancel off the query. So it is, it, it, it's, a, it's a tricky problem. But I, but I do think if you've got a product or service and you've got a, a way for people to ask questions online, then you really do need to respond to those pretty quickly. I mean, yeah, why have you spent so much money on a website? People still like to communicate. Like I call email almost a traditional method of communication, which well, it's quite a new way. Um, would you rather they phone you up and disturb you? Probably not. Just email's not bad. If it's just a question, simple one. Um, I would probably add in to what I said previously, for new people, for people who are inquiring because they're new and they don't have a relationship with you, I think you should get back to them really, really quick mm. because they're a bit unsure that you're new to them. They don't really know you. They, they're not sure what you're about. They don't know if you're responsive to things. Get back to them really fast and you've got a customer. Simple as that. I, this happened to me as well this month. I'm um, trying to eat a bit better and... Um, I don't, you know, I can eat. Okay. It's like the food. I mean, um, <laughs> um, and so I was trying to source like some local sort of produce kind of thing, like local, um, meat, sorry, any vegetarians out there. 
kind of local meat provider. So I was just looking through and I found this one and I thought, okay, um, what I sometimes do when I'm, de- again, I'm being a very thorough person, when I'm dealing with a new company, I'll just, I will just send them a quick email as a question. I don't really need to know the answer. I just <laughs> want to know the if they're there. Yeah. yeah. I want to know how responsive they are and how helpful they are. And that's what I do. And that's what other people do. And if you don't get back to these people, they're very, very fast. My uh, sort of um, motivation for going with them dwindles. And um, um, basically, I sent this uh, company an email. And that evening, they sent me a reply back saying, with the answers and also some ideas about how to best time to order. Um, And also that they would, and brilliantly, uh, he would actually go out of his way to order to me, uh, to get my first order to me more quickly. Mm-hmm. And you can't ask for more than yeah, that. So you're starting to my feel order. quite special at that point. It, not even special. Just like, uh, like not ignored. Mm. That's, what, you know, you actually are there and valued. Yes. Valued, I suppose for me, um, that, you know, yeah, you think great. It's a customer. Brilliant. And not just sort of like, Oh, another email inquiry, <laughs> especially from new people. I think it's, it's really important because, the motivations there to do something and to change something and the longer it's left just dwindles and and then yeah. I'll, look, I'll look elsewhere it's true um certainly i found that that um if we've had inquiries it's i mean we generally try and respond to them quickly particularly new inquiries um until they understand how how we work but um you know we found that where we haven't responded so quickly we we haven't had such a favorable outcome it really is speed has uh, been down to it. I think the most difficult thing is trying to filter out those new queries, whether they're from an existing clients or new clients or not. Um, mm-hmm. But that's certainly worth looking at. And I wonder if that's something we can, um, I can pull in for a few interviews, you know, asking, looking at people who really um, have a customer support role. I know um, Astute Graphics, Nick's been on one of the podcasts early on. Uh, I mean, they're, they're pretty good at support, but they've, that was one of their challenges as they ramped up, as they grew, making sure they're answering the questions you know, quickly enough so they could satisfy people. I don't think they were ever bad at it, but they always wanted to be good. They always wanted to be better. And I think mm-hmm. it's something that, that that really helps them. Uh, anyway, uh, moving on. So um, I think the final topic before uh, just a, a link I want to mention, WXG. Um, so this is the, uh, let me see if I remember the name, Web Expo Guildford um, Conference, which is happening next week on the 26th of April. And we are all going, Al, me and Claire. And there are lots of people doing lots of talks all day. It's quite a long day. It's a busy day for us. Um, and Al, I think you just want to look and talk about a couple of the people that you are looking forward to. Yes, to no great um, depth. I haven't done a lot of research. I've not been very thorough on their backgrounds or what they purport to be really good at. <laughs> I haven't done any psychological profiling. But just off the website, mm-hmm. just a couple of people who I'm really looking forward to. Um so look. So yes, uh, there's a guy called Matt Law talking about blockchain. Mm. Now I've got a very clever data scientist friend who talks to me about blockchain, and I sort of s- smile and agree. And I don't really understand. <laughs> I, I try, I try. Um, so maybe that will help. And blockchain is a kind of way of doing like like contracts and things. Uh, so yes, looking forward to just finding out a bit more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another guy talking about VR technology. Is that um, Simon uh, Reveille? That, that's right. Yes. Yeah. And um, that's interesting. 
only because this week I, I just saw an advert, and I don't normally react to adverts. I'm really cynical. There was an advert for um, uh, like a a um, iPhone game, which where you can kind of race. It's a bit like Scale Electric, but it's like aug- augmented reality. So you uh, the track is around mm-hmm. you, so you hold your phone up and you can use the camera, and there's like a track overlaid in like <laughs> where you are, but it's obviously not really there. You kind of race a car around it. Yeah, sounds good fun. It's really cool. Do the, do yeah. the cars fall off so, the track um, like they used to in Skeletrics? Because that's really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, it, playability, it's not amazing. But just mm. the, the way you have to turn around to see where the car is, and you can walk towards mm-hmm. the track so you've got a better view of the, you know, so they're not too far away. I, yeah, I just like things like this. Um, I just think, well, yeah, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Um, so, uh, yeah, that could be interesting. Um, there is also a guy called um, Chad Jennings, I think, um, who's done a lot of work in UX and user research. That's the thing I'm getting a bit interested in. Just done a course in user research online, and I'm doing more UX courses. Um, um do you listen to Paul Boag's um, podcast, Boag World? I do not. He he talks a lot about that. Certainly in the last season that they did, um, there you know he used to, he's in web development, although he's more on the sort of management and UX side of it. Um, but that might be interesting to look at as well. Um, so that's a, a completely separate podcast, um, Boag World. Um, but yeah, I think I think. Understanding the connection between people and technology and and how they use it, I think, is fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's only going to increase, isn't it? Um, in the future, that's not something you can automate either. That 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 the the humanness of a, you know uh, and the computer, mm. whether yes, at the moment they connect, as it were. Uh, you, a computer can't necessarily understand that completely uh, because humans have they have different ways of looking at things, different cultures and understanding. Um, you know, an icon doesn't mean the same thing all around the world mm, yes. and this sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's quite some, um, yeah. It's yeah quite interesting. And he's and now people, working at Moo, which is uh, an interesting mm. um, print company. Mm. They've started printing things on cotton. I saw this week. Wow. Uh, I saw a couple of adverts uh, off, off cotton offcuts. And they nice print, uh, yeah, print a business card on cotton. I don't know <laughs> whether it's like a hanky. So no. Do you, do you um, remember Al? Um, back in um, when we were part of another company, um, mm-hmm. we had a, a grand scheme to create a, a sort of a low cost website development service called um, Clever mm-hmm. Eric, um, and we used Moo to make little Clever Eric stickers mm-hmm. um, of these sort of cute little Moomin type characters. Until Very. recently, I had one on my mouse. Really? Yeah. I, I switched my mouse when it broke, and it's still attached to the old oh, one. No. Yeah, it covered the little battery light because it would annoy me when That's it flashed. That's right. I, I remember. I remember you wanted yeah, one. That was still on there. Yeah. yeah. No, good yeah. service, Moo. Um, yeah. We better we better wrap up uh, unless there's anyone else you want to mention. That's my star one. My star person. Oh, okay. Oh, there's there's got to be a minute. Um, it's just Emma Lawton. Now I don't know if you watched a couple of years ago on BBC Two. There was this um series. Can't quite remember what it was called, but they basically it was like life hacks, but like te- um, like how technology can just help individual people with mm-hmm. with with some problems they were having. It's really random, different problems. Some in some cases, it was a whole village had a problem with like broadband. Uh, and this particular person, Emma, um, she had just 
started to develop Parkinson's really early and she was um, like a creative director at this agency and um, she was unable to draw because her hand would shake mm-hmm. and this amazingly talented um, kind of inventor created like the first thing of its kind which was like this watch which would kind of echo the vibrations and enable her to draw like without shaking and it's oh, just amazing so TV it, to watch it, um, it's, it's incredible um or oh, what's it called it's, you get a similar effect with sound waves where you can cancel them out is that what it did so it sort of yeah, tried to cancel of. out her shakes by inverting having some I, something like that yeah i'm not I, sure no, i'm not <laughs> I mean, i'm not sure but i remember hearing not, about it that's it was very yeah. cool yes we'll have to dig out the link if you can find it somewhere yeah the, okay, the bit where she kind of puts this thing on and can draw it's just it's just one of those standout moments on tv where you just can't believe what you're seeing just can't believe it and she's um she's done loads of things i mean this isn't the inventor this is the late you know the lady who this inventor helped Mm -hmm. and i I didn't quite uh, uh, realize just how talented she was and she's done loads and loads of things so um yeah really interested to see her as soon as i saw her on the thing i recognized her but i couldn't remember where from yeah great well it's gonna be i think it's gonna be very good it was it was great last year um uh, I had a we had a had a good time. I, it was just my, me who went. I don't think you could make it in the end, Al. Um, but yeah, three of us going this time. So looking forward to it. That's next week on the twenty sixth. Um, I assume they still have t- tickets available. Uh, yeah, mm. it looks like it very reasonably priced. And they had a good lunch too. Nice one. Mm. Um, Worth getting up at five o'clock in the morning for, I might add. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, you're doing very well to do that. Just mm. finally, before we finish, um, Claire wrote a great article on how to come across well on camera. Um, so if you are, um, wanting to do any internal videos and you are sort of, uh, you're managing that process worth a read because then you'll help anyone who's going to be the subject of your video to relax and have a nice, uh, relaxed outlook to the, the, the video you're going to produce and keep them calm. Um, and if you're on a video, then this is something that you can use to help keep you calm as well. So uh, if you go to our website and look for the article, um, how to come across well on camera, I think it's one of the most recent articles. There'll be a link in our show notes. And on that note, let's sign off. So um, if you want to find our show notes for this episode, you can just go to our website, ratherinventive.com forward slash podcast, and you want to be looking for episode 24. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. I'm at Ben Kinnaird, and Al is at Inventive Al. Um, the sponsor this month is just to subscribe to our newsletter. So just go to ratherinventive.com scroll down the bottom, fill out your email address and you will get a double opt-in email. Once you've done that, you will then get a link to our book, Be Sociable. And finally, if you want to be part of the show, do send in your business, marketing or creativity questions uh, for our next episode. You can tweet them to at ratherinventive or you can email them to hello at ratherinventive.com. We didn't have any podverts this month either. Um, but if you want to tweet your service or product that you'd like to promote, just mention at Rather Inventive on Twitter with the hashtag Podvert and we'll read it out um, over the coming episodes. Thank you very much, Al. Good to speak to you and I look forward to seeing you next week. Okay, bye now. Dick it, bum, 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 d